Hello and welcome to Secret Oranges, the podcast where Florida Man reveals the secret origins of comic book fans from around the world, why they collect, what they collect, and what they think of the state of the hobby today. This is Glenn, your host. Thank you for joining me again. We do have a, a great interview coming up here in just a moment from one of the most well-respected um, presences on for comic books, not only on IG, Instagram, for those that aren't aware of the, the cool hip lingo, uh, but also on YouTube. Um, my guest this week has uh, a couple regular shows that he does on YouTube and then guests on many others. One of the most well-respected voices, I, I feel, in, uh, in comic book fandom online. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and give you the particulars for uh, how to reach out to the show. Uh, still getting good feedback, still getting uh, five-star reviews on iTunes, which is a huge help, and we really do appreciate that. But if you want to reach out to me via email, you can do so at secretorangesfl at gmail.com, through Twitter at secretoranges1, and through Instagram at secret underscore oranges. Let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get straight into this interview because it's pretty much a full hour of content. So we look forward to uh, digging in. We'll see you on the other side. All right, with us today, we have Sean. Sean, thank you very much for joining me today. It's a pleasure, man. All right, let's go ahead and not waste a moment of time. Let's go right into your origin story. How did you get introduced to comic books in the first place? Well, my origin story is pretty uh, basic in terms of how I got into comics. You know, it started, you know, with my late grandfather. You know, he used to read me Spider-Man comics when I was a little kid, around 86, 87. And then, you know, I didn't just dive into comics right away. You know, I just you know, enjoyed his storytelling of the, the comics. And then after he passed away in 1988, you know, there was a little lull there, you know, where I wasn't paying attention to comics and stuff like that. I knew of the characters, but it wasn't something that, you know, I gravitated to right away because, you know, my grandfather had passed away and, you know, he was like the, my voice for comic books. You know, he used to read, read them to me. So, it wasn't until I would say 91 where my aunt or my, my father's sister, she was a big comic book collector and she, you know, talked to me about comics and, and really put that on to me. And by 1992, she took me to my first con and it was the first con experience I ever had at that age. And, you know, I got to read some Spider-Man comics, you know, X-Men was growing big back then. You know, that was the year of the cartoon series. And, you know, that was like my first nosedive into the world of comic books, you know. And the con was so huge. It was at the Jacobs and Javis Center in New York. And it was such a massive building. It was so huge. And it, it, as a young kid, you know, I was thinking, man, there's so many comics, there's so many toys, there's so many uh, figures and cars and collectibles that, you know, I was taken aback. And, you know, from that point forward, I became a comic book fan and a collector, you know, like every year since then I've been going to cons and, you know, gaining knowledge on comic books, reading stories, enjoying them and just having a blast with the experience. And by, I would say by the late nineties, that's when my comic hunting knowledge came in where I studied comics and I saw the little bars, the editor's notes on what issue such story took place. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, I'm going to go look for those issues. So I took the notes of digging in them long boxes, trying to find issues that I was looking for. So that was like a whole, that was my comic book origin, you know, in terms of, you know, my family, my aunt, I got rest her soul. She did a good job in bringing me up on it. And my father, he saw that I was interested and he said, I'm going to take you to cons myself, you know, and it continued on and on to the point where by late nineties, I was going to cons by myself and I was enjoying it. I think it's wonderful that you had all that familial support 
you had so many different people that you, whether they were into it or whether they were just supporting the fact that you were into it. I think that's, that's really special because that doesn't always happen. Um, you know, young people reading comic books, sometimes they get thought of as nerdy. It's, it's kid stuff. It's not, it's not cool, whatever, but it sounds like your family kind of embraced it and said, Hey, you know, go for it. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that, you know, I was blessed to have that, that family support, you know, going to these cons and, you know, embracing the hobby. And another thing was my mother, she wasn't really big into comics, but she knew I loved it. So she used to go to like QVC and they used to have those uh, comic displays. <laughs> yes. Yes. You remember that, right? Yup. Yeah. They have like all the boxes of comics, you know, and, and like special dynamite forces, uh, signed books and stuff. So she would order them for me for birthdays. So I would get a whole box full of comics. You know, it was like Christmas came early. It's just my birthday present. And it was just one of the best thing treats I can get, you know, and that that was such a blast, you know. I my family would play the huge role in, you know, my comic book habits. That's awesome. Uh do you remember any of the stories that your grandfather read to you like any particular like either a storyline or a book an issue in uh, specifically? Not really. Like it's very faint. I just remember it being Spider-Man stories, but I can't remember the specific issues because my memory is kind of <laughs> it fades away a little bit when it comes to remembering my time with my grandfather. Like most of the time I only remember stuff through pictures and video. And I do right. remember a picture of him holding a Spider-Man comic, but it's very blurry. So I couldn't make out the cover. Gotcha. Well, the important thing, I guess, is that you remember the, maybe not the specific story or anything, but just that, that, activity that you were able to do with him that enjoyment and like you said he became the voice so you heard his voice you know being these characters and telling these stories so i can imagine that would have a pretty pretty significant impact for sure um you have you come and gone with a hobby once you kind of got into it though once you started doing cons on your own have you been in comics full tilt since then I did take a break around the mid 2000s like I say like after 20 2007 I kind of dipped out of comic books for a bit you know there was certain things you know going on in my life and between work and other stuff going on that comics had to take a back seat you know mm-hmm. so I, I had to you know put away the hobby for a couple of years I didn't get back into it until like 2011 2012 so it was a couple of years of hiatus from me even looking at comics let alone you know going to comic book stores and i remember what got me back into it was uh i just wanted to you know i was working at at a job and somebody was talking about a convention and i was like man i ain't been to a convention and and since 2007 the last year i was actually into comics and you know i was like you know what man let me let me give comics another shot you know there were some storylines that around that time that kind of burnt me you know of course one more day is one of those (laughs) yeah you know i've talked about that numerous times on ig but um i just said you know what let me give this this hobby a try again you know i always loved the comics and it still was a part of my life and even with the, the the MCU movies at that time coming out, it's, it still didn't really drive me back to the comic stores like I wanted to. So it wasn't until like that around that time period, 2011, 2012, when I decided to come back. And it took a while for me to get accustomed to it because, you know, when you're out of comics for a while, you know, storylines, a lot of storylines has happened. When I caught back into it, I think Avengers versus X-Men was a big thing. And, you know, it was at that point where I realized, like, Marvel was too far gone for me. You know, I'm going to try something different, and I'm going to go to the indie route. And that's when I started reading more and more independence, because that was one of the things that I didn't experience much in the 90s. I had independent comics, but Marvel was my main focus. So when I came back in, I changed my collection habits to just, instead of focusing on favorite characters, 
I started reading more independent and started focusing on creators that written great stories, you know, and that's when I went back and for back issues and trades and read some great stories that Marvel did put out, loved it, those creators. And then I followed them to their indie work. So that was my whole thing with coming back into comics. You know, it made me ex- uh, expand what I, I knew about comics and deep, delve deep into the independent world. Very good. Now you, you started with Marvel you started with Spider-Man as early as you can remember. What would you say now is like your preferred genre or subject matter for, for a comic book? Is it still superhero or now that you're doing indie, are you really expanding and enjoying non-superhero work? Um, I will say that I enjoy a lot of storylines that deals with, you know, either super stories, uh, detective stories or mysteries. And you know horror stories. You know, like I look, I've been posting horror stuff on on IG, and you know I enjoy uh, horror stories. You know, stories with suspense and mystery. You know, I I really enjoy you know reading different uh, genres. You know, whether it's you know you have a little bit of romance and and, and saga and the space sci-fi. You know, there's a lot of things that I didn't really gravitate to when I was younger because I was just infatuated with the superheroes, you know, the Spider-Mans and the X-Mens and all that stuff. So by the time I got older, I started going outside the box and exploring other options and coming away with some great stories, you know, some great uh, comics that I I probably missed out even back in the 90s. You know, there's some underrated stories that I missed out on. So that was the thing when I got back into it. I was like, Marvel and DC, I, I still support, but I want to go deeper with the independent stuff. What is it about the independents that, what do you think makes them more appealing? Because obviously that market has grown significantly. It was Marvel, DC, and that was it. You had Dark Horse for a bit, and then Image hit, and that was really what kind of cracked the, the door for so many other companies. Of course, there was a glut in the 90s, but now... We have a lot of incredible companies out there. So what is it that you think that they're doing that is is getting that attention and getting that notoriety? Well, the one thing about independence is that there's not a universe that they have to rely on or have to cross over with. You know, there's not, you know, this universe that you have to tie into everything that, you know, the superhero universe has. You know, you do this specific storyline in the Marvels, uh, but eventually the universe is going to happen and you have to cross over with what's going on in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Independence is just straightforward storytelling. You know, there's no interference. There's nothing that involves, you know, a crossover or, or a big major event. It's just one singular story that goes from beginning, middle and end. And there is no interference on that. And that's what I love about reading the Indies. It's just straight, regular storytelling that doesn't have to deal with the big two or all this uh, interference. You know, like one of my favorite reads is East of West by Jonathan Hickman. And the funny thing about that book is when you read his Marvel stuff, there's similarities, but the only difference is he got to deal with the Marvel universe and, and include all those characters whereas east of west he can create his own characters and build his own universe within that singular story right you know there's no characters outside of you know that story you know it's just the characters that he created and he builds and builds and builds on top of that you know whereas marvel he did fantastic four he did avengers and then he did secret wars and it's a ton of characters that he has to throw in there and then interject and stuff and while it was awesome you know sometimes it hampers other books that's not involved with his stories so mm-hmm. i prefer the whole independent route of just one singular story that has a wealth of characters on its own and multiple plot lines that they can re- resolve on their own time no, that absolutely makes sense. I think the closest thing that we've seen from the the big two uh, would be maybe DC's Vertigo line, where they were able to create characters and kind of have a world that was 
at first it did kind of bleed over into the the DCU proper DC universe, but then it was a totally separate thing, and you really didn't see characters coming into those books from the superhero side. It was all stories that DC still owned, I think, for the most part. I don't think it did anything creator owned, but they and this is all Karen Berger's doing, the the, the editor uh, yeah. of of the Vertigo line. She allowed people to just play and just say, what can you bring? The weirder, the better. And you, you saw a lot of great creators kind of get their footing with those books and then go on to do other things, uh, other things elsewhere. You mentioned uh, Jonathan Hickman. Who would you say are some of your favorite creators on the indie side? Well, he's one of them. I love Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' work. Um, like the work they do on an image is fantastic. I love Fatal, you know, yes, Fade Out, Fade Out was a great book, you know, and Kill or Be Kill was highly underrated. I think one of the best series they did. And then I also, you know, was going back and reading some of their other work. And, you know, I, I enjoy the stuff that they do. And that that's an awesome tandem, you know, when you can have two, creators work on multiple titles and still deliver because normally you would think it will get stale but it's like sure. the series they do they continue to improve their craft and get better at it you know so they never get stale when it comes to their storytelling um clearly think, they like to work together so it, yeah. it, it shows in their work they respect each other and work well together yeah and rick remenda's another one I remember when I first started with him, he was doing uh I think it was Uncanny Avengers. And this was the fallout of um Avengers versus X-Men. And I remember somebody, I think it was Al at my comic shop was saying you should you should read Uncanny X-Force before you read Uncanny Avengers, because a lot of things tie into Uncanny Avengers. And at first I was like, you know, I, I wasn't really feeling the X-Men as much as I used to be. Like, I used to be a huge X-Men fan, but then when I came back in the comics, X-Men wasn't my jam no more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I picked up Uncanny X-Force, the trades, I read them, and I was like, yo, this is amazing. Like, I really loved what he did with Deadpool in that series. Wolverine was fantastic. You know, and considering the fact that he's been all over the place, you know, I, I, and I, that's what kind of turned me off of Wolverine was when Marvel was us, utilizing him way too much. Right. I thought in X, Uncanny X-Force, I thought he was used at his best. And it made me appreciate that storyline more with what he did in that, that book. So when I finally decided to read Uncanny Avengers, which I already had, but I didn't read it until I read Uncanny X-Force, I loved it the middle portion of it that dealt with the Apocalypse Twins. I thought that was fantastic. The beginning part and the end part was a bit meh for me, but the middle part, which actually tied up with Uncanny X-Force, was fantastic, and I really enjoyed that along with the Kang storyline that he did. And that's what led me to read his independent work. You know, and you had Seven to Eternia, you had Dudley Class, you had Low. You know, he'd done some amazing work with image and you no know, again when you follow them from marvel you go to their independent stuff and you enjoy them even more than you did when they did work at marvel and that's the thing where i talked about instead of following the characters i follow the creators that that was my whole mindset when i came back in the comics and started reading stories again i like this writer i'm gonna follow and see check out his other stuff so no, that's why I look at when it comes to these creators. Who's more important to you, the writer or the artist? I would go with both. But okay. <laughs> I would go with both. You need both the writer and the artist to be at their top form to deliver these great stories. You know, like, yeah, I, I, I want a great artist. But if the writing isn't up to par, then I'm pretty much just getting the book for the art because the artwork is fantastic, but the story is just meh. And then you have a great writer who's paired up with an artist that's not to my liking. You know, like, 
I'm not a big Humberto Ramos fan, and no disrespect to him. I know he has his fan base, and you know people love his art, but I'm not personally a fan of his. And mm-hmm. when he came in to replace uh, Ryan Otley on the Spider-Man series, I was kind of bummed at that because I was like, I like that Ryan Otley's work in Invincible. You know, right? You know, I read his Invincible stuff with Robert Kirkman, and I thought that was a fantastic series. I still need mm-hmm. to finish it though. I, I I only got like the first seven Ultimate editions, so I gotta get the rest. But I really enjoyed his artwork, and I was hoping that he had a longer run on Spider-Man as opposed to it just being so many breaks. And I think that's the thing with Marvel is that because they put out so many issues, he can't keep up with that schedule, and that's why they have fill-in artists. And when I saw Ramos, I was like, eh, you know, he's decent, but it's not my jam. And that's why I feel like you need both more than the than one or the other because – when you have a great writer and you have a great artist, they tend to do magic. And when they do magic, I stay on the book. You know what I mean? I, I do, because I feel that way about Saga. You mentioned Saga earlier, and I think Vaughn, um, Brian K. Vaughn, the writer, and Fiona Staples, the artist, um, captured lightning in a bottle in that series. And I think it was just, I just wish they would finish the damn thing. Yeah, that, um, that, this thing, this delay is just killing me. It, it is, and 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 I know they were going to take a break anyway. I mean, they they published that fact. Yeah, but I think now because of just the way the world is for 2020, I think that's just thrown all sort of curveballs and everything. So you don't know when to expect what. So I'm going to be patient and just wait. And if it never sees the light of day, if it never gets finished, if he pulls a Kevin Smith and never finishes his series. Um, like Kevin Smith, the director writing for Marvel and then never finishing books, um, then uh, I'm going to enjoy what I got. And I want to appreciate it and and respect it for the fantastic piece of literature that it is. It's not just a great comic book. It's great storytelling. Yes. And and you're right. In the, in the independent medium or in, independent uh, uh, genre, I guess if you want to call it that, the, the editorial reins are pretty much just loose it's really up to the creators to do the best they can because they want that book to be successful they want it to do well they take great pride in their work where you can tell when someone who's been working on a book for a while is phoning it in at marvel or dc they're just going through the motions and doing their work and it's not their best work but it's like okay yeah whatever i think you get them on an indie title and that like you said, it's magic, and they're they are re-energized, and they really want to do their best. I, I want to bring up a, a creative team that really don't get talked about much, and that's the team of Eric Burnham, Dan Shonen, and Louis Delgado. They've been working on the Ghostbusters comic book from IDW since 2011. They've been on that series for almost 10 years now. And every time I read it, you can see the passion they have, the love they have for these characters. You know, they Ghostbuster fans, and I'm a huge Ghostbuster fan. You know, and every time I read it, even the average issue is still enjoyable because they throw in those tidbits, those references, those smart uh, Wally uh, Peter Bankman comments. You know, they just have a passion for this book, and you can tell that they love the storyline, that they've done a lot to expand the Ghostbusters universe. And they don't get talked about a lot. I just want to mention them because they've been on this book since 2011, and they've done a fantastic job in building this universe up and keeping me engaged with it. Because I've read some terrible Ghostbusters stories when IDW first launched it, like the other side, and that was horrendous. You know, I still got the trade to that, and I only keep it because I'm a Ghostbuster fan. It's part of my <laughs> Ghostbuster collection. <laughs> but you know, these these three guys has carried this series for almost ten years and done a phenomenal job, and don't really get no talk about it. It's it's a series that it, it's still out there. If it weren't selling, they wouldn't print them. They wouldn't hire them again to do a new storyline, a new storyline, and and um, yeah, I. I, I don't follow that creative team. I don't read that particular uh, set of books, but it's clearly popular enough that they keep printing it. So they're doing something right. It's, it's obvious that they're doing something right. Um, 
So let's talk about, you know, you talked about the, how they've done world building and, and they've expanded and you really appreciate it. When you look at all of the books you've read and you are a voracious comic book reader, you have, because you've gone back in time, plus you're reading new stuff. So you really span the, the, the whole spectrum of, of comics history. What would you say would be your favorite, like your go-to story arc? If you're like, I want to read this again because it's that good. It's funny you mentioned that because we talked about this before on my YouTube page uh, when we did favorite storylines, and it's I read this book at least once every year, and that's Action Comics seven seventy five. <laughs> the elite storyline and the truth, justice, and the American way. It's one of my favorite Superman storylines. And, you know, people tend to crap on Superman because, you know, he's a Boy Scout, you know, overpowered and stuff like that. But when you really get to the core of Superman, he's a, a, a traditional superhero with flaws. And even though he's an alien, he has human capabilities. And that's what made him appeal to me. You know, and that storyline really stood out because he he knows the difference between being a good guy and being a, a good guy while, you know, not caring about people who, you know, get caught in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just one of those books that I read from day one. And I'm like, this is Superman for me. Like, like, this is the story that they should try and adapt into a movie because it is the perfect encapsulation of what this character meant, what he stands for, you know? And I think me and Vigilante had talked about Superman stories and they don't get as much love as compared to Batman. But, you know, there are good Superman stories, but, like, compared to Batman and the list of, you know, graphic novels that he has, I feel like Superman doesn't have that, that status of having a lot of great stories. But there are some good ones. I mean, the Alan Moore stories are great. I still love um, the death of Superman as as storytelling-wise. It was a really good story. And he's one of my favorite characters. And I, I, I kind of hope that they, when they do another Superman movie, if, you know, DCEU can get out their own way. <laughs> so try yeah. and adapt that storyline. You know, build him up and then bring in the elites, Manchester Black, and use use that storyline as as genesis to what Superman really is about. I would definitely agree with you on virtually everything you said. As as many iconic stories as a character like Batman would have, and I mean, there's countless ones. If you ask somebody their favorite Batman story, everyone's going to come up with something else that's going to be some sort of bestseller. Someone's going to say Killing Joke. Someone's going to say Long Halloween. Someone's going to say um, the breaking of the bat, nightfall, it's uh, death in the family, death of the family. Everyone's going to come at you and say, this is the definitive Batman story. And they're probably going to name 20 different ones. I think it's hard to do with Superman. I think you're, you're definitely right. Uh, death of Superman, sure. The Alan Moore stories, um, the, the annual that uh, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons did with the, um, what was it? The, uh, uh, was it not Black Lotus or Black Orchid? It was Black something, right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where Mongol, you know, wraps him up in this plant and it's kind of, he's living in this perfect dream world. Um, and they, they adopted that perfectly in the Justice League cartoon. That, I, 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 that was one of the few I saw, and I really did think that they did a, a phenomenal job translating that to, um, to the animated series or the, the animated uh, movie. I think they did a great job with that. Yeah, but but you're right that Action Comics 775, which I think the 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 full title of the story is whatever happened to truth, justice and the American way. Um, was that Joe Casey, Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly, excuse me. Um, I am I'm not as familiar with with Joe Kelly as as other writers, but he can write a Superman story. And there are quite a few that I that I have actually flipped through and I've really enjoyed. And that one issue, I don't even know why I bought it. Maybe it was the cool cover uh, and that it was like an anniversary sort of issue. And that's why I bought it. But when I actually sat down and read it, I felt like you did. It's like this 
I, I don't know if there's been another story that has actually encapsulated what he is about. How he will do whatever he has to do, but he's not going to cross that line. And he can find a way to make it make it happen. And if he can't do it on his own, he's going to work with other people. And he's going to find a way to do it the right way without that collateral damage. Um, the, the movie version of it, actually, I thought was surprisingly good, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would I would agree with you that it's probably on, I wouldn't say my short list, but my medium list as far as some of the best, certainly one of the best single issues and, that I've ever read. And, you know, when it comes to Superman, like, I grew up off the Christopher Reeves movie. And mm-hmm. he is he's still to this day my Superman. Like I still look at him as Superman. You know, he just had the look, the charm, you know, the the personification of what Superman represents, you know. And it's that's that character to me will always be tied to Christopher Reeves and you know what he did for the character. I mean, even as bad as Superman 4 was, when he was defeated by Nuclear Man as a kid, I, I shed a tear. And that, that shows you how, you know, important he was as Superman, that he can, you know, draw emotions out of you as a kid, you know, the, that, mm-hmm. you know, you cry when, when Superman was defeated. And I didn't get that when they did BVS and Doomsday killed Superman. I was like, ah, whatever, you know, it, it just felt rushed, you know. It didn't have no emotional weight, and we we were so tied to Christopher Reeve for three movies that by that fourth movie, as bad as it was, it still had an emotional impact at, on me as a kid. To the point where, you know, that 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 to me is where Superman, if he would have died, it would have really, you know, crushed me as a kid. And you know that's that the the recent movies just failed to do. I, I would definitely agree that there was there was a a sense of of fun and hope and positivity I think in those movies and I do believe that uh, that Reeve really did capture that in his portrayal of Superman where he was still the good guy and he was going to try to do the right thing. Um, those movies aren't my favorite films, but I definitely you know you will believe a man can fly. Those scenes, because I saw the first movie in the theater when it came out. My mom took me to see it. And I walked out of there going, wow. that Because this is special effects alone. And they still held up halfway decent now for practical effects. Um, So I I do think there is something special about him in that role. That he probably is has been the best on-screen Superman that that there's been. There might be better voice actors, but I think as far as um, just depicting him on screen i think he's the best when did you read uh when gary frank was drawing uh action comics yeah, with, um, and, and with Jeff john yeah, yeah i read i got um a couple of issues especially the brainiac storyline which is another thing that they failed to do in terms of big screen bring brainiac and yeah. and get him involved but that was another scene of uh, series I liked it. You know, the action comics with Jeff Johns and, and Gary Frank. Fantastic artwork. You know, he really channeled Christopher Reeves in that. And, you know, I just enjoyed that storyline. It's one of the few Jeff Johns uh, Superman stories that I, I actively like. You know, I'm I'm not a particular fan of what he did to Superman in the New 52 on his short arc there. But that's, that storyline, I, I really liked it, the Brainiac storyline. Yeah, I, I I liked the pre-Flashpoint version. I, I would agree with you there as well. He did a uh, the story with the Legion of Superheroes, which and they were my Legion of su- Superheroes, not some of the rehashed versions that we've gotten since where they've kind of been a soft reboot where they were kind of different, but they were supposed to be the same. And uh, it, it, it very much felt like home to me. It felt like, these are these are the characters I can relate to from the seventies and eighties, from like pre-crisis era, and uh, it was it was a nice kind of callback to that, and I think it was a nice nod to the fans as as well. And, um, go ahead. And and I was going to say that it 
that was that's the problem I have with DC is that they rely so heavily on Superman and Batman that they shortchanged some of their other characters because I really wanted to enjoy a lot of the stuff that didn't involve Superman and Batman. Which is why I gravitated towards the CW shows earlier on because they I got to see some characters that I either wasn't familiar with or I read a bit, but I wasn't like, you know, on them on top of their stories. And you know, I was disappointed in CW, like Legends of Tomorrow had all these amazing characters, but you know, after like third season, I kind of fell off of that. But I just wanted to see more from from DC than just Superman and Batman. And while we're getting it, I feel like DC is just slowly introducing us to these characters because they, for so long they relied on Superman and Batman with a little bit of Wonder Woman in between because, you know, she did have the 70s TV show, you know, with Linda Carter. So mm-hmm. she did have something. But a lot of their other stuff didn't have much. You know, Flash had his TV series in the 90s and then everybody else just fell in between. So... That that was my biggest issue with DC. They continue reliance on Superman and most certainly Batman. Well, I, I again, I I agree with you. It's it seems like they they don't trust the rest of the the quality that they have because they have a quality stable of characters. They just have to have the right talent to be able to adapt it to a a big screen uh, situation. I did watch the first few seasons of Arrow. Um, I watched Supergirl for a bit and uh, tried to watch Legends of the Tomorrow. I think I got through the first season and that was that was basically all. And then I kind of and, and watched The Flash as well. Then kind of fell off of all of that um, because it s- seemed very samey yeah. to me. There was a lot of repetition. It's like, oh look, it's a flashback to the island again. Oh look, it's Deathstroke again. Oh look, it's another uh, Fawn, Thrawn, whatever Fawn is his name. And I'm like, I, I just don't care anymore. You just you can't go to that well so many times. And I just kind of got bored with it. And and that was it. Where you look at Marvel, and they seem like they have no fear. When they announced that there was going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, people laughed. Yeah. And they said, that's the end of the MCU. I remember, I remember when Rocket Raccoon came on as a character in the Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I was like, who the hell is Rocket Raccoon? At that time, I was out of, <laughs> I, I was, um, out of Marvel around that time, so I didn't see Rocket Raccoon much. You know, so I was like, who the hell is this character? Then I go watch the movie, and I'm blown away by the movie. Now I like Rocket Raccoon. I'm like, this, this is what Marvel does. <laughs> yep. There's, there's no fear, and there might've been a few substandard movies in relation to the quality that they've gotten through most of their films, but pretty much everything has been at least to me, at least watchable again. I know a lot of people didn't like the second and third Thor movies. Um, I was totally fine with them. A lot of people didn't like Iron Man uh, two or even three. In some cases, I would totally watch those movies again. Um, I, I like pretty much everything that the MCU has given us thus far. Because I, I think they've got a... Well, first of all, it's Marvel Studios now, right? So you have creative control from the people who run that side of the house. And they trust what they're doing. They trust the creators. They trust all the people that are involved to say, we have some wonderful characters. And if we do it the right way, people will love all of it. And they've been right so far. Yep. yep. They got Kevin Foggy running the ship with DC Warner Brothers. It's, it's a who's who. Well, and then and then different people end up dropping the ball. You you've there's so many people. You know they say too many cooks in the kitchen, and I definitely think that's the case with with Warner Brothers. Um, that they're trying to treat it. They're they're. I hate to say it because it sounds a little like nerdy and aloof to say it, but they don't have respect for the characters. I don't think they they really get it like comic book people get it. And if you have comic book fans that are looking at this, that are talented writers and directors and, and actors, then you're going to get a quality product. At least that's how I feel. That's just, that's my two cents. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, all right, let's, let's go ahead and try to start wrapping, wrapping this up a little bit. Cause I think you and I could probably talk way longer than 45 minutes. 
Uh, we have done so already, actually, on your YouTube channel. So, so I know that we could go longer. Trust me, man. But, like, I, I'll be going three, four hours just enjoying the conversation with a lot of people, man. Like, that, that's my escape for me. That, that's my escape. Is just talking comics? Huh? Is just talking comics? Well, my show on Saturday, chatting with the comic community, we talk comics. But it's more like a variety show where we just talk random stuff. You know, we're just not tied to comics. You know, like comics is what brings us together. And then it's learning about our love for other things that that makes the show even stand out. Like this past Saturday, I had Common Smith explain on the show and we was talking music, you know, and we all have a love for music and we all have love for for like different genres of music. So we we just have fun talking about that. So it's one of those shows that I created where it started out as comics and then it became more of just having fun and just talking about anything, you know? And I think I enjoy that format, you know, because yeah, we can show comics, we can talk about comics and and that's the main objective. But when we talk about other things, we get to learn about each other even more and you know and appreciate and enjoy what we're we're talking about because we know we love there's a lot of love for other things just besides comics and and that's what i enjoy about doing that show well you get to learn about people you get to 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 learn new things and 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 discover new things because that might maybe it's a new musical artist maybe it's a new motion picture director maybe it's a new tv show um who knows what someone says you know this is really good. You should try it out. All of a sudden, you're a fan. Yep. And and I think that's kind of like uh, the, the, why I like doing the show the way that I do this one is because I like to kind of dig into why do comics matter to you? How did you get into it? And how did they resonate in your life? Which is kind of where I wanted to go um, now. Um, first, I wanted to ask you, and you've kind of already started it, do you have other hobbies or interests outside of the comic book world well you know i do collect um i do have a extensive collection of cds you know i've done hip-hop shows showing off showing them off and you know i do have uh i do collect some statues and stuff like that and i just you know my my collection is mainly comics but you know i have a a, a couple of other things that i haven't really shown i've even you no, know, talked about. I talked about my Mac collection. That was a, that was another thing that was a huge part of my childhood. I used to love the subway maps and the bus maps, and just when whenever we drive out of town, I I would, and go to those like pit stops and you know stuff like that, and I would grab maps, you know, because I just like the maps, you know, whether it's the the map of the United States or the map of the world, map of the uh, highways and all the streets. It's just something that about maps that I always liked it as a kid, and I just try and collect as many of them as I can. So that was something that I talked about with life with two YouTubers, and you know I explored that on that show. So yeah, you know that that was one of the things that people were surprised that I, I love maps. Now, see, I've not seen that show, so I did not know that about you. But that those are the sort of things that just make it interesting because we are more than comic book nerds you know we're we're more than that stereotype we have lives we have jobs we have other things that we care about and and maybe even have a higher priority than the comics that we that we read and collect um so you know it's that's the sort of thing and i know that you are a huge huge music lover um you know i on the weekends i I actually look very much look forward to you uh posting like old school sunday where you post old uh, r&b and hip-hop stuff and you, you know, post clips from songs or music videos, because it's for me, it takes me back in time to when I was in high school or maybe just getting into college. And it's like, wow, I forgot about that song. Wow. I forgot about that song. And so, and, and, and I definitely believe that music is a connector for people that it, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's basically like almost like a primal thing. I think it's an, an instinctive thing that the, that, that music and the rhythm and whatever it is just kind of speaks to people. So when you share that stuff, I love it because either I know the song and I love it or I'm like, oh, that's new. It's new to me, at least. Now I got to go check it out. And all of a sudden, I've got another song on my playlist. You know, the, the funny thing is, you know, I haven't posted Old School Sunday in three months. 
because of the, all the copyright thing, I got struck like three straight videos on one day on on that. And I was like, man, it's just 60 seconds. Why can't I share just 60 seconds of a song? You know, and it kind of just ruined my whole thing. Like, I, I enjoy posting music because I grew up music. Like, music was 24-7 in my household growing up as a kid. The radio was on nonstop, and I got to hear all the music from the 60s and 70s, 80s. You know, that's how my, when it comes to listening to hip-hop in the 90s and stuff, I knew all the samples because all of that stuff was music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So by the time hip-hop started sampling right. them more, I was like, yeah, I remember that. That's a Juicy. That's a Entume song, Juicy Fruit, you know, that Biggie used. So I just knew all the samples, you know, and it, it even that made me explore music even more. Like some of the music I didn't know the samples to, I wanted to look it up. And in this era of YouTube, I always say kids got it easy today because back in the day, we didn't have no YouTube. So you, know, <laughs> you, you couldn't look nothing up, you know, in terms of time music or, or something, something that, like you say, you missed Monday Night Raw. You screwed. You go to school the next day. You missed it. You everybody talking about you. You ain't even see it. But now kids can just go on YouTube and catch the end of Raw. So I just miss posting music. I occasionally do it, but I've been kind of laid back on it because I don't want my channel to get you know striked all the hell. And right, but I love it. You know, like when I did the two old school hip hop videos with with the common call and roundtable discussion. It's just been a blast talking with music. And after after we did the three and a half hour show, I stayed on off air for another three hours just going through music clips on YouTube with those guys. And it was just like, ugh, I miss doing old school Sunday, man. Cause like you said, it's just it takes you back to the music that you grew up listening to and some songs that you ain't heard in years. And you're like, oh man, I ain't heard the song. Yeah, then you go out and listen to it and, and it's in your head. For the rest of the day, maybe the week. Yep. And and yep. that's the thing I loved about doing is that people always kind of like, yo, you taking me back, Sean, taking me back with these these, these songs. This is my high school jam, you know. And uh, like I said, one day I might bring it back, but I don't know. Well, you you certainly don't want to cross lines and have problems and 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 lose your account and get locked out or whatever. I I totally get that. That that has happened to me for other reasons uh, a few years ago. But uh, it, when you put all that work into it and effort into it, and it's something you really care about and it's fun, and then they just go, "Nope, you can't do that." And it's like, well, I'm not trying to make money yeah. off of it. Uh, and I get the copyright thing, but it, it's like, if nothing else, I'm getting people to go to Spotify and listen to it, which means you're getting a listen, which means you're getting a kickback. And, so and, stop and just let us put this out there. when I tag the, the the artists who did the song, you get feedback from them. That's even better. Right. You know, that, that you're acknowledging yep. their music, you're tagging them, you're letting them know, I grew up off this song, and you might get feedback. You know, they'll comment on your stories, posts, or, or on your posts. I got a comment from uh from uh Terry Jam, Jam and Lewis, you know, for a couple of songs I I posted to them. So you know, it's always wow. gratifying when the artists of the songs or the producers comment on your post, on the music video that you posted. Man, it's, that's that's what I loved it the most. And 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 the frustrating part is the artist comments or likes it or whatever, and then the copyright people come in and go, well, no, you can't do that. But the artist was clearly okay with it. This is the person who created this yeah. music. They're okay with it. Can we just relax? Because I think a lot of it has to do with intent. If you're just trying to do it to share the love of that and you're being, you're not claiming it as your own music. You're not saying, Hey, look at the song I wrote. You're saying, Hey, so-and-so recorded this back in 1980, whatever. And I absolutely love it. And you know, that here's a clip from it. Well, I, I don't get the big deal. I really, really don't. But, you know, it's a we are in a very litigious society right now where people, you know, want to have really hard control over things. So well, I don't know what else you can do about yeah. it. Um, one last question for you, and then we'll, uh, we will put, go ahead and put this to bed for now, is and wrapping up everything that we talked about as far as comic books, from, from your grandfather to your aunt to your dad to doing the cons and, and, and then building a YouTube channel and building a huge following on Instagram. 
at the end of the day, what is it about comics that keeps you in it? Why comics for you? It's stories, just the thrill of the hunt, and it's just interacting with like-minded people like you and and the IG comic community, the YouTube comic community. It's something that continues to motivate me to, to do better in terms of, you know, what I'm doing right now, you know, with my YouTube page and just enjoy the hobby. You know, like we all love this hobby. You know, we all love interacting with each other when, when it comes to posting comments and talking about our favorite stories and what we like and what we didn't like and stuff like that. As long as it's positive, that's what matters to me. You know, I, I, I'm the type of person that just, I enjoy the engagement just as much as I enjoy the hobby of reading and collecting comics, like finding like-minded people that, that love what I liked, that, that didn't like what I didn't like. You know, if we have disagreements, we can just say, Hey, it's disagreements. It's all, it's all good. You know, we all, there's not going to be a lot of things that we like, but at the same time, we, we can at least agree to, to disagree and, you know, it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. You know, but I, I'm, I want to say this, Glenn, I, most of the time when I was going to cons, it was either with my father or my brother sometimes, but most of the time I, I, I went to cons by myself. Last year was a revelation for me that I enjoyed going to a con and actually hooking up with people in the community. Because when I went to Tampa mm-hmm. Bay last year and I hooked up with Steve and Hialeah, Conquistador, Javi, and Jeff, and Boatwright and his son, that was the most fun time I've ever had at a comic convention. Because we rent, we walked around that place like a crew. We dug, dug for books, and we helped each other out, handed out AOKs to each other. And, you know, that, for me, changed my perspective of going to cons. You know, like, if, if I could just link up with people and we just hang out all day hunting for books and, and having fun doing it, like that to me is more important than just the kind itself. Cause when you're around people, it makes the experience even better. And that was what Tampa Bay was last year. And that we was hoping to do it at MegaCon, but unfortunately this year has been a complete bust. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it turned MegaCon into a wash. And that was a massive disappointment, especially after seeing uh, I had Bear Allen on my show a few weeks ago, and he he's doing a documentary on the C2E2. And that was the last major con before, you know, all this pandemic happened. And all mm-hmm. the guys that get, came together, he recorded all that stuff, they recorded stuff, and he's putting it together for one major documentary, and I'm looking forward to that. But I, I was definitely looking forward to making con because I, I feel like meeting people in the community is just as important or even better than the con itself. And that's why I, I enjoy the most is just interacting with this community, hooking up with people and just going out and having a blast. You know, hunt for comics, help help other members in the community out. And you know, that my whole existence on IG before and and now it's just to continue to be positive, to continue to interact with people, and to continue to just love and read comics, and and that's the whole point of doing the, these platforms. Because before that, I was kind of anti-social. You know, I was I wasn't that sociable on social media. I was part. I was in the community on YouTube when it, when I first joined it, but I wasn't doing no videos or commenting and stuff. I was just watching videos. But now I'm mm-hmm. more interactive with it. And I'm more uh, talking with people, whether it's in DMs or on YouTube and stuff like that. And I just enjoy it, you know. It's something like this community really activated something inside of me to say I can finally come out and just have fun and, and do these videos and talk with people about the hobby that I love. And that's what I enjoy the most. Well, it's it. I again, I agree with you because it's been the same experience for me. But I'm glad that 
that you have found, I mean, quite literally, you found a family. You found a group of people worldwide because we know that there are people on IG and people on YouTube from all over the world that share the same passions, share the same appreciation, and have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. And it's about sharing your favorites, what you liked, what you didn't, um, and then also just getting to know people. And it's a, it's a very low-pressure, low-key way to do that, and, and I think that that makes it really special. It's, it's given me an appreciation for the hobby that I've never had before excuse me, I've never had before. Um, and I've been collecting 40 years. And it's different now. It's better. And you know, I, I didn't think that I will be part of a show that I do every Friday with somebody who's based in Austria, you know, with Ranger and Vigilante. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm doing a show with somebody across the pond, as they would say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, I, I can't, I'll call him my Austrian brother, you know, because we, we both have a mm-hmm. love for comics. We both have a love for movies. And when we do these get-togethers and talk movies, it's just a blast, you know. And, you know, he sent me the German edition of of, of First Appearance Black Panther and I, first foreign comic, you know, like I, I was taken aback by it. And it's just... You know, like you said, worldwide, you know, you just have people that, you know, in, in Europe and in Australia, Japan and all that. And it all we all get connected with this community. And, and it's just a blessing. It really is. I would definitely uh, agree with that as well, that we're, we're very fortunate to have the people that we have. I've never wanted to travel more in my life. I'd love to go to Australia now and meet some of the folks down there. I'd love to go over to um, England and meet some of the folks over there and then cross over uh, and go into uh, Europe proper and go over there and, and, and meet some folks and even just travel across the country. When, when MegaCon got canceled, one of the biggest reasons I was bummed is that MindShift Kirk yeah. was going to be coming over and actually staying here at the house one night using it like a hostel and then writing in with us to go to the show. And I was so looking forward to that because I have a, a, a tremendous amount of respect for you. I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And you're so you're both so positive and so passionate about the hobby that it's contagious. And again, it's what helped fuel me to kind of get back into the hobby really strong. Um, but yeah, it, to have those all those plans dashed really was was unfortunate. But Fingers crossed that 2021 is different and that we can we can make some things happen. So hope hopefully that will happen. Yep. Before before we go, anything that you want to tell us about as far as because we know you're on IG, we know you're on YouTube. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of me on IG. My uh, my name on there is Stay Puff 1983, and the puff is with two F's. Uh, same as YouTube, Stay Puff 1983, and uh, I, you can find me on those two platforms. On Facebook, I'm just Sean Mitchell. You know, that's me on Facebook. But you know, there's a bunch of Sean Mitchell, so it'd probably be hard to, for you to find me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, those two platforms, IG and YouTube, are my like two most used platforms. And you know, I'll do some plugging for this weekend. You know, like. Tomorrow I'm doing the show with Vigilante, and uh, on his YouTube channel we'll be talking Constantine from 2005, and then of course I have my nice. Saturday show, uh, chatting with the comic community, and I'll also be on Fresh Princess show on to- uh, Brown Girls in the Rain, talking the the Top Cow series Genius. If you ever uh, read that series, check it out. If you haven't read it. And then, of course, Silver Age Sunday on Javi's YouTube channel. Just a blast hanging out with those guys. You know, it's like the floor of the crew. You know, we need to we need to get you on that show one day. You know, because it's it's just floor the love, and everybody just just have fun talking about random stuff. So, Silver Age Sunday on Sundays, and that's my weekend. And that's pretty much every weekend for you. Is you've got you've always got something cooking as far as a show. 
maybe a couple shows. Um, you know, I know you've been on uh, Comic Book G Spot, uh, Galvin's show. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of people out there doing it, and there's a lot of love. It's just amazing, you know. Like I, I've been on like five shows on a Saturday, and as much as worn out as I was, it was just it was awesome being on those shows with those people, man. And I'll do it again because I just enjoy, you know, hanging out with everybody in these YouTube videos, the, in the chats and stuff like that. And it's just, like I said, it's my escape. You know, you get through a, a week that could be rough. Soon as Friday hit, I already know I'm going to be on with Varangian. And then, you know, the rest of the weekend is either reading comics and then jumping on some live shows. So that's, that's how I enjoy it. You always got something to look forward to. Well, I look forward to uh, catching some of your shows. I I do need to get more involved in the YouTube side of things. It's not something that I've done. I I was thinking about doing it and I just haven't, but I need to go on there and start watching and and seeing what people are saying. Um, So, you know, we'll, we'll get more recommendations from you maybe in the, in the comments. Once we post this episode, it's going to be a couple of weeks before Mm -hmm. I post this. Um, But we know that you are a, a regular youtube presence and you are very active on instagram as well i can attest to that so if people are looking for someone just to to talk comics with and have a good time i strongly encourage you to to, uh to look sean up sean thank you so much for joining me uh today i appreciate the knowledge and kind of the look back as far as you know how you started and who knows maybe we'll we'll do another one of these down the road and do a deeper dive into some specific things that you're into uh, but for now, we, we thank you for the uh, for the look back and the origin, and we thank you for your thank time. Thank you for having me. You know, it's been a, a blast. It's so been an hour, but hey, it's an hour of, of great talking. Well, I, I appreciate that. I don't think I could get people to listen to me for three hours uh, like you can get people to watch, you know, three hours of video. Um, who knows? If I get there, maybe I can do it like in chapters or something. We'll hey, I'll, I'll just say but, this. Uh, it's not... Even if I only have three views, I'm just so deep into the conversation that I don't really care who's watching or not. You know, I just I just enjoy talking to the people that I'm in the video with. So I I have had more fun, and and again, this is why I did this format. I've had more fun talking to people that I really didn't know. And I've known you for a while, but I've I've interviewed a few people in the last week or so that I've known for maybe a couple weeks. And I'm getting a really cool peek at just how people get into this this hobby and why and what matters to them. And I just find the stories fascinating. I, I really just think it's a fun way to learn about the hobby through the eyes of different readers and different collectors. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to get the listens and the views and the downloads or whatever. But I just have fun talking to people. Yep. That's it. So, all right. Again, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see if we can't do this again. All right. I would like to thank again, Sean, Stay Puff 1983 for joining me for this interview. If you're looking for Sean on social media, whether it's IG or YouTube, just so you know, it's stay, S-T-A-Y underscore P-U-F-F, Puff underscore one nine eight three and you can find him on instagram or youtube i'm consistently impressed and appreciative with all the stories that that i've heard um i love the fact that uh, in sean's case he had such a great um family support that there were so many people that really just embraced it and whether it was for the sake of literacy or the sake of entertainment or the sake of let's get Sean out of our hair for the day, who, who knows, you know, whatever the reason was, I believe that uh, all those folks uh, around him sure did him a favor because he has really, he's developed a voice for this hobby that's pretty special. He obviously has his his followers. He has people who listen to him. He has people who respect what he has to say, and he's grown it more. You know, more, as he said, more than just the comic book hobby. You know, talking music, talking movies, talking toys, just talking about people and talking about each other. 
And, and again, I really do respect that. So, um, so thanks again to, to Sean for joining me. Uh, real quick, uh, I don't have a, a book for the week, a dollar bin book for the week, at least a specific one, but there's something that I did want to, to mention. There's a lot of talk that's happened in these episodes that might be kind of over people's heads, you know, references to titles and companies and artists and storylines that may not be familiar to newer comic book fans. And I wanted to give you a suggestion if you're a newer fan and you wanted to kind of learn backstories, but also kind of see just how the hobby has changed, I strongly suggest that if you're in dollar bins and you're digging around or you find some deals, you find either Comics Interview or Amazing Heroes. There are two magazines that kind of predate the Wizard comic book magazine. They would have been mid to late 80s. And they featured previews of what was going to be upcoming from different publishers uh, all through the, the, the comic book medium. Interviews with different uh, talent. Retrospective stories giving you history on characters. Uh, plus great house ads that showed what was coming up from different companies. And I strongly, strongly suggest that if you do see these... If they're in decent shape, pick them up. Some of them do have some value, but that's... I'm not worried about the financial value here so much as I am about the knowledge you can get and the appreciation that you can get looking back at the hobby from the eyes of someone reading about it or, or collecting or reading in 1984. So if you see them, pick them up. It's a great peek into uh, history and it's also just a lot of fun because I think the genre and and the, the medium was very different than I don't think it, it was. I think it, it was very different then. So it's nice to see it from a different point of view. So that is my suggestion for your back issue hunting. If you're going to be digging in dollar bins, uh, seek those out. And we're going to go ahead and, and put this episode to bed. We thank you very much for listening, and as always, we will see you around the spinner rack.